what I think is pretty cool is that, um, I don't know if, if this is your perspective, but one of the things that drew me to optometry is sort of the scrappy nature of our profession. We've got to be, because we have um, legislative battles that we wind up fighting and because we have people who will like to testify against us in those legislative battles that practice right down the street that are sort of waiting for us to make a mistake, we sort of have to be better. I, I mean, I, I do think that that's, that's something that I see. And, and I like the scrappy nature of we always have to, we're, we're improving, we're improving, we're improving. And I see a lot of what you're talking about as being very similar. And, um, you know, do you ever talk about that? Do you ever talk about that with, with, um, with students when you're saying like, look, this is really an opportunity for you to continue to leave your, leave a profession in better hands than where it was before. And, um, and then, and I think, yeah. So, so what, what do you think about that? Does that ever come come across? Oh no, that definitely comes up. And I think that's the exciting part of working with the students in the pre-optometry club. So our pre-optometry club, I like to call it like the Montessori approach. So we have students that are in optometry school now, and then we have those that are aspiring to get into it. And we do have those conversations on how a lot of the students found us on social media and they were attracted by that fight. Exactly yeah. what you're talking about, that, that mission to want to advance the profession and then to also advance that profession on that very specific level of targeting Blacks, Black and African-American um, students. And so they definitely have in their hearts a similar passion. And I think that is like another motivating force that yes, they wanted to be an optometrist because of what they saw, but also now they're very empowered to be an optometrist because of what else they can do. Um, and I definitely think that raising this next generation of optometrists is what's going to help us further this cause. That we we need more, you know, soldiers on the battlefield. We need more um, black optometrists and white coats. And I definitely think that by increasing those numbers, increasing that representation, it definitely helps on a statistical point and on a report but we're gonna physically all feel that impact on a professional and a personal level of getting more doctors um, that look like the patient base. And, that, and that's a lot of where Impact HBCU comes from, our 13% promise. 13% of um, the population is black and African-American, but only 1.8% of practicing optometrists are black or African-American. So, it's a very disproportionate in that representation in that relationship. Me and Jacoby were just talking in our hospital practice that our current population is 60% Hispanic, give or take. Um, and then African-American is right under that, but we work in um, a system that is predominantly black and Hispanic. It is not white at all. But when you look at the doctor bases at some of it, it is not a direct reflection or representation of the population base. And um, we truly do believe, even like a recent article that just came out about Mayor Bloomberg, that we do believe that the quality of healthcare would improve if patients are able to receive access to care, but also access to care with people that also look like them as well, that we need to balance out that that playing field so that we have a good representation of doctors that represent the current population of people.
Thompson. Hello and welcome to the Crystal Podcast on iCode Media. Today I had a great conversation with Dr. Essence Johnson and Dr. Jacoby Cleaver about Impact uh, HBCU and what their goals are with helping improve access and improve visibility for optometry in historical black colleges and universities. I felt like it was a, a really fun conversation. I learned a lot. And as always, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star review, and share it with your friends and support those who support us. I have to admit that with eight kids, it's a real challenge for my wife and I to minimize our environmental footprint. You should see the corner of our driveway every Tuesday morning when recycling and trash is picked up. One of the things I can control is who I partner with. Sustainability is something that matters to us and to our patients, and Cooper Vision is committed to it. From executives to plant employees at Cooper Vision, their commitment to sustainable practices is clear. Check out the show links to see how others are incorporating their commitment to sustainabilities in their practice. So, uh, so then you're in a you're in a hospital-based setting. That's that's kind of rare for an optometrist. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for Jacoby, I wouldn't have even known to apply for a hospital job. Um, you know about like the Kaisers and things like that. But I think he may be more in the hospital. My hospital has like community outpatient clinics. So I'm in um, one of the outpatient clinics in one of the suburb okay. areas, so not at the main hospital. Is there a, an affiliation with the university? No, UT Southwestern is our affiliated university. The University of Texas Southwestern has a medical center and, and things of that nature. So yeah. we are, that's like our sister hospital. Do they um, do they train? Do they, they have like a training program as well for ophthalmology or for uh, OD residents? They do do some uh, um, optometry. I think internships is normally there, and definitely ophthalmology because all of us sit as um, faculty associates on the UT board. Okay, is that um, that's also is it the same hospital system that Jacoby works for as well? He's in Harris County, and so mine's is Dallas County. But but so, it's a different, it's a di- totally different hospital system, or is it the same hospital system? Yeah, I don't think Jacoby. Our systems aren't linked, huh? I think they're separate hospital systems in Texas. Yeah, yeah. I know that that was an option for optometry, and that was going to be one that you'd really enjoy. Uh, I did, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I was in a position where uh, the current doctor I was working for at the time was getting ready to sell his practice. Uh, so he had a few practices. He had a couple retail. Uh, he was selling a retail practice, and he had another private practice a little further uh, north. Um, but no, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I did a Google search, and uh, it popped up, and uh, I, I just typed in uh, hospital optometrist. It popped up. Uh, I got the interview, and uh, I got the job. You know, uh, the time it was impeccable. I mean, uh, at that point, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I had to do something. But, yeah, I, I seriously just got a Google search. Uh, they brought me in. So I'm, a, I'm with the Baylor College of Medicine, but I practice at the community health clinic, you know, and, that, and that's exactly what they was looking for. And then uh, I didn't know what I was looking for at the time, but I found it. So, and, I, and I've been here ever since, and I, yeah. I do enjoy it. Yeah. So that's been how many years now, Jacoby? Uh, we're going on about seven years. I, I want to say I started a year before you did, right, Essence? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Did you guys both go to Houston? No, we, uh, we met uh, during the uh, summer program at a uh, the University of Houston College of Optometry many years ago. 
Uh, and I was dead set on going to University of Houston. Essence talked me into going to PCO. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's how, that's how that worked. And then uh, a little bit more background is the so the following year after uh, the Texaco program at University of Houston, me and Essence went to the uh, SCP program for PCO, and that's where we met Daryl Glover, right? Yeah, so okay. it's a small world. I promise you it's a small world. No, it totally is, and I, I think that's fun because – so I've never, I've never actually met Daryl before, mm-hmm. although I, I'd, love to, I'd love to meet him. Um, and it, but it is a small world because everybody is so interconnected, you know? You've got, you've got um, you know, obviously, like I, – I, I don't know if you, if you know, but, like, when I talked to Adam – so Adam and I crossed paths again. So he and I crossed paths years ago. It had to be like 2012 um, uh, for some, some preparation for, for board review. And, um, and then we didn't cross paths for, it had to be until 2018, I think. Uh, and, and finally, again, it's like, and I, I recognized him right away. And he, I think he recognized me right away. But I guess the point is, is that, it's kind of like all these things, you know, kind of blend together. And when you meet this person and that person, it's just such a small community, which is why I guess to the point of, of kind of why I want you guys on tonight today is we are such a small community of eye care professionals and you do meet so many people doing this or doing that. Tell me about impact and, and where it came from, where the idea came from, because Jacoby, you, you mentioned that you went to, it sounds like some sort of like when you were an undergrad, Houston had something like that. And that's where you, where you went. So kind of describe that and then describe kind of how you two decided we're going to take this to the next level and really have a, an impact on optometry. Yeah. The, uh, the Texas pop, Texas program, excuse me, uh, something university of Houston has been doing and I think they still have it going on. Uh, I was introduced to it from the uh, University of Houston Pre-Optometry uh, Club. Applied, got in, I went. I mean, it, it was just simple as that. Uh, I'll let Essence touch more on the uh, impact, uh, but, you know, the, the phrase we keep using is intention. Like, we are being intentional in our approach. We are, we are going to the source to try to find students. Maybe you're interested, maybe you're not interested. Maybe you heard of optometry, maybe you didn't. That's the whole, goal. That's the whole point of this here. Because a lot of these places have pre-optometry clubs. Some do a little bit more than others. What we want to do is be an extension of that. We want to go to campuses that historically hadn't been touched, historically black colleges and universities. It's just a touch on the numbers and everything. She's more, that's more of her thing. But uh, no, but that's exactly what we're doing here. We want to go to the source. We want to introduce you. We want to try to catch them as early as we can and just put it as a thought process. I mean, uh, because it's the same thing uh, with kids. Um, kids can start singing songs and stuff before they even can form a sentence. And it's all, all it comes from is what they've been exposed to, what's on the radio, those kind of things. That's the same approach we're taking. We just want to beat it on them. Hey, give it a, you know, give it a thought. You know, it may not be for you. It may, it may be for you. But at least think about it. Yeah, totally. I think, I think when, when I think about how I came into the profession if I hadn't seen it you know I grew up around it obviously my dad's an optometrist I worked in the practice when I was in high school I um and then I worked in the practice when I was in college and so I understood what the profession was about and so it was natural for me to say this is something that I I think I really would enjoy uh so if you don't see that and you don't have a perspective on it then it's really challenging to to know to even think it's an option so uh, essence what was your experience with optometry in undergrad? Like, what made you say, like, this is going to be a profession that, that, uh, that I want to do? 
I mean, a lot of my inspiration and exposure started off even before undergrad. I tell everyone I wanted to be a lawyer. My grandmother told me I would go to hell for lying. I found a new profession. <laughs> so it, all of the stars kind of align, like right when that very translational and transitional period happened with what my grandmother had told me, my high school had a career fair and lo and behold, an optometrist is there. And not only any optometrist, a black female optometrist. So already I was like, perfect. I'm sold. This is my new career path. Great. Um, and so being from California, I had a very good experience and exposure with the Southern California College of Optometry. Um, my memory doesn't really serve me correctly, but it just seemed like they had SAT preps and program, like immersion things for the high schoolers. And me and my best friend were living at the Southern California College of Optometry. In high school, we had to do a senior project. My senior project was on um, an optometry-related field. My dad, so gracious, graciously, um, got LASIK done, <laughs> partly for himself and for my whole project. So mm-hmm. I got to spend a lot of time at the LASIK Center at the Southern California College of Optometry and um, just being exposed and immersed and him just networking with other professionals that he knew, that really set off this whole pattern. So then it's time to go to college. I was Wait, very Essence, Essence, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I want to explore an idea that you, you pointed out. So why... Why was it so impactful for you to see uh, uh, another black optometrist doing that as opposed to, I'm, I'm just curious if, if you felt like that was a trigger to say, oh, I could do this too, or like, can you elaborate on that a bit? I think it's definitely the, if you see it, you can be it approach. I think it was seeing someone I could physically identify with was very triggering and inspirational to me. Um, also at the time, one of my really good friends um, her dad was an optometrist in our hometown. So Dr. Clinton Wong in Marino Valley. So I think I had other exposure to it in friendships, but really seeing someone that was black and female was a, a real wow. Like, a, yeah, for me, that inspired me to, to get that confidence and that empowerment to be like, I, I can be an optometrist. And then I think also them just getting that female perspective too. I think at a young age, I kind of sensed the difference between what the path of males and females look like, not just professionally, but even just in the family sense and, and your responsibility sense. So seeing someone who was like, yes, I'm a wife and I'm a mother and I'm a professional woman was very inspiring to me because a lot of times in my own personal life, I was told like, you're not going to be able to have it all. Um, you're not going to be able, you know, to be married and to work or to have that great husband and to do that. So I think some of that was just a a cultural um, thing that was put on me. So I always had in the back of my head, I can either be Oprah or I can be, you know, the stay at home mom. So there was always that pull and balance. (laughs) Why do you think, why do you think that? So you said that, did somebody tell you that, or that's just a perspective that you had? Oh, it's both. Uh, my, My own father would tell me and my sisters, like you guys have too expensive tastes. Like, nobody's going to be able to take care of you like me or, you know, to make sure you find a man that is doing all of these things. Like, look at what your father is doing. So I think that there was a lot of like explicit things that were being put on to us and a lot of implicit things that um, I put on just on myself as the kind of person that I am. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, so Jacoby, sorry, I kind of cut you off a little bit essence, but, um, but that's, I think what, where it's kind of, 
interesting to get some more perspective. Jacoby, what was your uh, kind of for, foray into optometry? Did you know about it before you went into kind of that uh, pre-optometry group at the University of Houston, or did you get exposed to other places? No, uh, I knew about it just a little bit, and uh, just for most people, say from the first eye exam. Yep. Uh, my mom took me and my brother over uh, to get an eye checked, and uh, Dr. Silver, I'm not sure if he's, if he's still practicing now, but this guy, I'm talking 25 years ago, this guy was old then, and he was just literally shuffling around, uh, seeing patients. He wasn't stressed or anything. Um, i like, man, I think I could do that. Uh, but it wasn't until I moved to Houston and uh, with the pre-optometry program, uh, I started shadowing. Uh, just like Essence said, I was able to shadow an African-American male doctor here, uh, which is he's still practicing as well. And he, he invited me in and he's like, man, you can, come as, you can come and stay as long as you want. You can come as many days as you want. And that's exactly what I did. Uh, but just to echo what Essence is saying, like, you have to see these things to know that it's possible. Um, hmm. Without that, or without or, you know being in a club with like-minded folks, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. You know, uh, you know if you if you want to play professional basketball, you don't hang out with the football players, right? Or you hang out with the basketball players. So it's the same thing. And uh, just from there, I was able to just foster that uh, relationship, take it further. Uh, like I said, uh, did my my road to optometry wasn't very traditional. You know, uh, a couple of th- you know first time I applied, I didn't get accepted. Then when done the SCP program, wonderful. I can't remember how long it was, six weeks, eight weeks, but it's just, they give you a crash course of the first uh, semester, which is just heavy science. And I uh, was able to do that. And then second year I applied. That's the only school I applied to when I got in. Uh, but just based on seeing, you know, other people that look just like me. And at the time, uh, I'm not sure what it is now, but at the time they did accept the most African-American students. At PCO. Uh, at PCO, yes, that's okay. correct. So I think it, uh, in my class, uh, it was just me and Daryl, uh, as far as the guys are concerned, but we did have uh, about 10 black females, which, and then that doesn't even count Essence's class, which was above me, and then the classes below me. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a long way from home, long way from Texas, but it was my home for four years, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting that, that both of you, I mean, Essence, you went all across the country. So you just, <laughs> you fled California, and, and then you continued to flee California. You know, uh, one of my one of the podcasters I like is Joe Rogan. And did you hear he's moving to Texas? No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, he's fleeing California also, uh, which is uh, you know Texas is a good place to flee to. It sounds like. Yeah, I think a lot of that fleeing goes with taking advantage of opportunity. Yeah, and that is a lot of the inspiration behind Impact HBCU. I had a conversation with Adam. A lot of us in the Black eye care community see the need of needing more black doctors. They would aspire to have an optometry school and an HBCU, but everyone's kind of like the, we have these ideas, but what is the how? And it all started off with a conversation um, for me reaching out to Adam and saying like, hey, you know, I went to an HBCU and my path to HBCU land wasn't off of legacy. Being a Californian, I was set to go to one of our state schools um, and had a signed my papers and everything, and I got a yes. phone call one day. Let me interrupt you, Essence. Uh, explain, uh, explain legacy. Uh, oh, so, yeah. so, I mean, kind of just like how Chris is. When you have someone before you that has already gone to a school or someone before you that is already an optometrist, um, just those types of things. So I wasn't a legacy as in I didn't have anyone in my immediate family that I knew who went to an HBCU. 
even when I go back and look, my dad is one of the only college graduates kind of before me and my siblings. So we really don't even have a very strong um, college background in my family. So I received a phone call one day from Dr. Brown at the biology department. He was the head. And he said, hey, you're accepted to Prairie View A&M University, which is in Texas, and you have a presidential scholarship. I never applied to that school. <laughs> I never been to Texas to that point. But again, just kind of like divine order, my best friend, her cousin went to Prairie View. She was moving to San Antonio to kind of flee California during her senior year. So it all like worked out great. We were like, she needed a car. We'll drive the car down here. Uh, we'll visit, you know, Prairie View. We'll get to see Texas. And it was like sight on scene. I was sold um, an opportunity to go to an historically black college and university. How'd they find Not, you? How'd they find it, you? It has to be off of SAT scores and things huh. that you write that your interests, like I, I'm African-American, I'm a female, I'm interested in science. That has to be how they got the information. Yeah. Um, so they do a very good recruiting and scouting job, which amazes me to this day. And they truly hold to their motto of producing productive people. Um, we were doing just our research in general. And the reason why we chose HBCUs is one, we wanted something measurable, something concentrated. There's a bunch of universities and colleges in this world. Um, but in just Black Eye Care perspective, it's more tangible to reach the 107 schools and even not all 107 schools are all um, undergraduate-based. Some are like seminary and medical schools as well. Um, also, HBCUs produce a high percentage of STEM professionals and of medical doctors. About 60% of most physicians of any type go to an HBCU, and about 40% of them um, that are dentists and optometrists come from HBCUs. Mm. So just statistically, even in our own um, we did like our own little private study and it, that was the divide. About 40% of the people in black eye care perspective went to an HBCU. The other 60% went to a non-HBCU. So I was telling Adam as an HBCU grad, I said, hey, if we want more black students to get interested in optometry, if we want more black doctors, let's go to the source. Um, a lot of these schools have pre-optometry programs. Well, some of them do, and a lot of them do not or a lot of the schools have pre-health programs, but there's not a strong emphasis on optometry as well as other allied health sciences. Prairie View was very unique in the way that optometry was something that when you went into their biology program, they kind of split us up. There was the pre-med, there was pre-dentistry, there was pre-pharmacy, pre-veterinarian, and optometry. And I was like, score, this is what I'm interested in. And we have this direct path in our advisor to say, hey, we have this pre-optometry club. I met, I think even- huh? How many people were in that club in that pre-optometry Honestly, club? I think at the time I have a picture, there was probably five of us. But <laughs> what made the club very powerful is the connections that the school had. And I think I even had some, uh, if it wasn't before Texacop, but definitely after, Jacoby's club at U of H and our club at Prairie View did a lot of intermingling in the sense that we did a lot of the Lions Club and the Prevent Blindness. We were visionaries as part of that. So our schools did a very good job of connecting us with the professional optometry groups on 
a citywide scale. And so we were going to prevent blindness meetings and Lions Club meetings and doing vision screenings at the Ikea. I remember one time me and Jacoby were at like an Ikea in Houston doing um, these vision screenings. So it was a good way to not only connect with Black students, because our pre-optometry club wasn't exclusively Black, but when we are forming these relationships, we're building that community of support. And it was very encouraging that when me and Jacoby formally met at Texacop and we knew that we were geographically very close, that we have always been each other's like yin and yang and push and pull through this whole journey. If there's somewhere where one of us is lacking, then he's like, no, E-Rob, like, we need to do this. I remember once we had met, we were studying for the OAT together. He calls you E-Rob? My maiden last name was Robinson. Everybody has a nickname. Everybody the um so so kind of essence would you would you explain or or jacoby when you think about um uh hbcus what because you mentioned that there there weren't all black people in your pre-optometry club what percentage right now are are caucasian or asian or hispanic that go to hbcus do you know, I don't know the exact numbers like i don't know the exact numbers but i can definitely tell that tell you that the culture has shifted um, where HBCUs were historically black. Um, they also are diversifying um, where there is kind of a good gauge that I use. I'm also in a sorority that is I'm a historically black sorority. And so there are nine historically black sororities and fraternities. And Prairie View had all nine of them when I was going there and they still do. But we have also extended outside of the National Panhellenic Council to include other Greek organizations that are not um, historically Black. So there's a lot of Hispanic and Latino groups now on campus. There are some that are more found on predominantly white campuses now at the school. Um, Even at the time where, you know, the perspective is different when you are now the majority but there is still a small, a a good percentage of non-Black people at HBCUs. I remember taking um, a PE class and one of the girls, she was white and from Moreno Valley, California. And Mm -hmm. I said, no way, we're both from the same place going to this HBCU. And my question to her was, girl, how did you hear about this school? (laughs) And she's like, how did you hear about this school? You know, and me kind of, you know, ignorantly like, I'm Black, like, that's how I heard. But she also, she plays sports and things like that. So a lot of non-Black people are going to HBCUs, especially for the athletics as well as the academics, and because they are also seeing the value of those networks and connections that they have. And depending, depending on the school that you go to, each school has a very good um, focus on certain things. My best friend was going to go to Prairie View. She was going to be an optometrist too, but she ended up going to Spelman, another HBCU, which is very big on she's in economics so they do a they're big in science but they're also big on the other side of that too where people are getting into politics and um, urban development and things of that nature so i think that every school has uh, their their niche and every school does a very very good job of connecting the students with their profession. I don't know any of my friends that have gone to HBCU regardless of what their career path is and they're ever answered with like a, no, we don't know that or no, we can't help you. The community and the support and the networking is phenomenal at so HBCU. 
then how do you take impact? Because then it would seem like that would be a really great fit to say, okay, you're already networking with all these other, uh, you know, colleges of optometry and professionals. It would seem like a very good fit to add impact to, to those sort of networking opportunities. So tell me where, where impact kind of fits in that whole new realm of what you're, what, what you're trying to do and how you're trying to inspire other uh, other people to, to kind of follow in your, in your footsteps? So definitely we want to increase visibility and increase volume without decreasing the quality of the students and the applicants. So we are, one, raising the awareness. We want people to know optometry is an option. So we talk about seeing someone that looks like us and feeling inspired and doing it, but I also think they need to see the field as a whole to know that it's an option. When many people, even young kids, when you say you want to be a doctor, they're what? They're delivering babies or they're operating on hearts. Very rarely do they say they want to be a podiatrist or a chiropractor or a physical therapist or an optometrist. So we want um, on the college level to know that medicine, healthcare is more than just primary care. It's more than surgeons. Very much important. But optometry is a very satisfying um, field and you get that doctor title and you get some doctor money and there's a lot of, you know, diverse things that we can do. <laughs> so that's one. So just let them know you can be an optometrist, get a good salary, go to school for four years. It's very rewarding and fulfilling. So that is the first primary goal. Then we've heard um, from students in this particular case, a student that does not go to an HBCU that they already had that natural interest inside of them. But when they went to their pre-health advisor and let them know that, they were responded with the, I, I don't know, you know, like, I don't know if I can help you. And I had told that particular student, I said, did that person wear glasses? Because if they wore glasses, that already should be the first in. But um, also being at a school, you would think that they are networking. Our approach is to not tell anyone no not saying we know all the answers, but to respond to them with, we're going to get you in connection with someone. So we want the HBCUs, all the schools to know like, hey, we're the people that can help you get connected or get your students connected with someone. So we let them know about optometry. We let them know that, hey, we're this resource. We're these gatekeepers. And then we want to foster these relationships foster them with the school. Our original idea of impact was that all of us in the Black Eye Care community were going to go to these campuses so they too can physically see us and we can deliver this message. Now we're hearing COVID, so things are moving virtually, but still that doesn't stop the mission and the message that we want to go to these schools and let them know, hey, there is a community of doctors and we want to share optometry as a profession optometry and its diversity in the sense of all the things that we can do as optometrists. And then also not only present this option to you, but give you resources and give you kind of that blueprint on how do you become an optometrist. So that is where we also have formed, and it's very proud to say, because we're on the ASCO website, um, the first national optometry club with the Black Eye Care Perspective Pre-Optometry Club. So everyone sees impact. Impact is that awareness event. But we want to then recruit those students that have a natural interest and then those who, because of this, are like, hey, I think I can do this too, 
to come into the pre-optometry club where we help just support you in every sense of the word. We are helping with OAT, whether that's physically, the, the studying for it, financially and paying for it. We are there to, you know, just support you when you click submit is what we like to call it. When you submit your applications to optometry school, when you're getting those interviews, like what are the skills? Hey, I'm nervous. You know, what can I do? We're putting them in contact with other optometrists and with the Association of the Schools and Colleges of Optometry as far as like consulting sessions on how to be the best applicant. Because we tell everyone that we do want to increase the volume, but we want quality students. We want students um, that are applying and they say, you know, even mention that, well, I was part of the Black Eye Care Perspective and they know like, oh, those students, they were developed well. They were vetted well. And, and we're just really taking that time to, to not hold their hand, but to, to stand beside them in that journey and to know that they have a person that is physically of support, but also um, a person who is cheering them, cheering them on along the way and handing them those resources so they don't have to struggle and look for them. Do you, um, have you guys worked at all with, um, with the AOSA? At all? We have, have, we have worked a little bit more with the NOSA, um, but we're, that's the National Optometric Student Association with the National Optometric Association. Um, but the AOA has reached out to us as well as the Academy. And so we are working on our relationships and our partnerships with them. Yeah. What I think is pretty cool is that, um, I don't know if, if this is your perspective, but one of the things that drew me to optometry is sort of the scrappy nature of our profession. We've got to be, because we have, um, legislative battles that we wind up fighting and because we have people who will like to testify against us in those legislative battles that practice right down the street that are sort of waiting for us to make a mistake we sort of have to be better I, I mean I, I do think that that's that's something that I see and and I like the scrappy nature of we always have to we're, we're improving we're improving we're improving and I see a lot of what you're talking about as being very similar and um you know, do you ever talk about that? Do you ever talk about that with, with, um, with students when you're saying like, look, this is really an opportunity for you to continue to leave your, leave a profession in better hands than where it was before. And, um, and then, and I think, yeah. So, so what, what do you think about that? Does that ever come in, come across? Oh no, that definitely comes up. And I think that's the exciting part of working with the students in the pre-optometry club. So our pre-optometry club, I like to call it like the Montessori approach. So we have students that are in optometry school now, and then we have those that are aspiring to get into it. And we do have those conversations on how a lot of the students found us on social media and they were attracted by that fight, exactly yeah. what you're talking about, that, that mission to want to advance the profession and then to also advance that profession on that very specific level of targeting Black, black and African-American um, students. And so they definitely have in their hearts a similar passion. And I think that is like another motivating force that, yes, they wanted to be an optometrist because of what they saw, but also now they're very empowered to be an optometrist because of what else they can do. Um, and I definitely think that raising this next generation of optometrists is what's going to help us further this cause, 
that we we need more you know soldiers on the battlefield we need more um, black optometrists and white coats and uh, I definitely think that by increasing those numbers increasing that representation it definitely helps on a statistical point and on a report but we're going to physically all feel that impact on a professional and a personal level of getting more doctors um, that look like the patient base. And, that, and that's a lot of where Impact HBCU comes from, our 13% promise. 13% of um, the population is Black and African American, but only 1.8% of practicing optometrists are Black or African American. So it, it's a very disproportionate in that representation, in that relationship. Me and Jacoby were just talking in our hospital practice that our current population is 60% Hispanic, give or take. Um, and then African-American is right under that, but we work in um, a system that is predominantly black and Hispanic. It is not white at all. But when you look at the doctor bases at some of it, it is not a direct reflection or representation of the population base. And um, we truly do believe even like a recent article that just came out about Mayor Bloomberg, that we do believe that the quality of healthcare would improve if patients are able to receive access to care, but also access to care with people that also look like them as well, that we need to balance out that, that playing field so that we have a good representation of doctors that represent the current population of people. Yeah, I mean, I you, when you can kind of identify with a, a specific community, then it, it, um, it might be more likely that you'd practice in that community and, and elevate the level of care that patients can get in that community. And so I think, um, I think sort of to wrap a lot of this up, what I love is that you guys have kind of taken it back as early as you possibly can try to, to try to change that you want to affect. And, um, and I think that's really inspiring. Jacoby, in essence, where can people help out? How can the listeners help you affect the change that you're trying to affect? I would say, uh, first off, if, you, if they know anyone who's interested in uh, pre-optometry, please join our virtual club. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I got cut out for a little bit, but uh, Fine. You know, we, we have meetings every, uh, the 13th of every month. Uh, our first meeting, we had about uh, eight students, two of which are already in school, one's getting ready to graduate, interested in the residency. We want to foster all those relationships. Like, we want to be one club, but we want to give you that individualized attention. You know, some people may need help with the OAT, other people may need help with interviews, some people may need to go get a professional headshot. All right, we can, we can, have, we can help you with all those things. So the first thing I would say, if you're interested or you know someone that's interested, please have them join us. We're on Instagram. Uh, we send links, but we will hold you accountable too. Uh, we don't want you to just pop in for one meeting and then we don't see you uh, for three months, you know, uh, something like that. And uh, uh, anything else as far as the impact, um, it's going to be a big deal. Uh, if you want to, I can't say how, uh, what kind of help we need because it seems like it's changing every day, every day. But uh, if you want to help, please reach out to either myself, Essence, uh, Daryl, or uh, Adam, and uh, we'll, we'll find something for you to do for sure. Essence? No, I, that is what we've just been sharing with anyone. Whether you went to a historically black college or university, if you went to any college or university, 
we would just love for you to, to reach out. Reach out on the level of the advisors and the professors and let them know, hey, have you heard of this group? They have resources for students that are interested in optometry. And then if you know any students that are interested in optometry, Black, Hispanic, otherwise, let them know about the Pre-Optometry Club. Um, like Dr. Cleaver said, it's a very individualized um, experience. We really hold close to it being a very safe space where we talk about things about optometry and beyond. Um, so we just love fostering those relationships and it's not a one and done thing. You sign up for the Pre-Optometry Club and we are there with you till the end. And the end is like retirement or death in optometry. <laughs> we are following you through the whole journey um, because again, we are cultivating a community where once you get into school, we want to recruit you to help us keep paying it back to the next generation so that we have this pipeline that is not only created, but is sustainable. And that is where a lot of just me and Jacoby and Daryl's inspiration comes from is that I helped pull Jacoby along and Jacoby helped pull someone else along. And then that is how a lot of black optometry, especially at PCO, has, has grown and how it survives is that everyone has to invite a friend along to the party. So that's what we're asking everyone to invite a friend to our optometry party. We're here to make it cool and sexy and popular. And that's what we want. We just want more people in optometry because we need more optometrists as a whole. I know some people would hate for us to say that, but the reality is we do need more people in our profession and for people to know that optometry is an option for you. Yeah. And I think, I think you said it best earlier in the conversation is you're looking for good quality optometrists, good quality candidates. And so I view that as, as like, look, uh, as you're moving towards your goal, we're all kind of moving collectively to, to better patient care, better access to care in general. Um, and, and that's kind of what, what we're all about, you know, as optometrists in general. Uh, so thank you, Essence. Thank you, Jacoby, for coming on and, and talking about this today. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, and then we'll talk soon. Oh, thank you. Thank you.